You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hello, everyone. This is Dirk Novell. Uh, welcome to my podcast. On with me is a friend, Don Kitch. Don, welcome. Thanks, Dirk. Uh, good morning to you. Yeah, thank you, man. I know that you've had a busy day, and I appreciate you taking the time. And, you know, years ago, I, I bumped into him, uh, I think, uh, in Palm Springs at, a, at the airport. And I've been following from afar. I think he's got a really interesting career. Uh, he's in motorsports, and I'm going to let him elaborate on that. But I think it's, um, you know, I haven't had anybody yet. Uh, in that industry. And so this is my first. So Don, welcome. Um, maybe the best way to start this off, if if you met somebody out of the blue and maybe you're on a flight or whatever, and they ask you, what do you do? How would you respond? Well, I think, uh, interesting question. Um, I think the, the global answer to that is indeed motorsports, which is an all-encompassing, I mean, it can uh, involve and center around, you know, obviously race car driving, driving and competition, uh, academia, which is what I am doing now. Um, you know, there's, it's, that's a kind of a very multi, you know, faceted catch all title. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in motorsports. Um, and that changes as your career, you know, progresses. I mean, obviously my early on initial focus and involvement was, was racing. Um, I sat in the race car for, God, 40 years, I guess. Um, and then toward the tail end in your sunset careers of, of that involvement, you, you know, could trail off to, uh, you know, to academia, uh, you know, as I am in now, uh, related to performance racing school, uh, teaching people all kinds of advanced uh, driver techniques. And along the way, you can do some, you know, some brand ambassador stuff for the manufacturers in the industry. Um, you can do some consulting within the industry, um, product development, all of that kind of stuff. So on a daily basis, um, for me and for me for the last 40 years, if, the, if, if my phone rings, it's about cars. And that's, that's the way I like it. I love it. I mean, I think what you're saying, if you're listening to Don, there's a lot of different flavors or avenues underneath Motorsports. Your, your area has been really owning a business, uh, a driving school, and being a, an instructor. Uh, is that accurate? It is accurate. I mean, in the life of all race car drivers, uh, you wake up one day and your wife tells you it's time to grow up and, and get a real job. And for me, that was when uh, my wife Donna and I started a performance racing school uh, here at Pacific Raceways in, in Seattle, Kent. Um, you know, it's where I started my amateur career uh, 40 years ago. And so it just seemed like a natural for that to be the the home base of our of our school performance. So we'll get deep into the motorsports, but I'm curious, I, you know, I don't think I don't I don't know much about your background prior to. Can you just kind of walk us through like school, you know, if you went to college, where you went to college and then coming out of school, were you right into the motorsports industry or did you do something different? Well, uh, you know, I, like most, I, you know, graduated from high school and then on to college, um, out of school, um, you know, my, my passion was always wheels, anything with wheels on it. Um, two or four, primarily four, 
that was always my passion. But um, there was a period of time while I was chasing my dream, my passion, where I was involved in the medical industry, uh, sold, uh, sold surgical equipment, um, kind of to subsidize myself and feed myself while I was, you know, continuing to pursue um, motor racing. Um, and then eventually, you know, I found the way to, you know, to, uh, to involve myself 100% in motor racing. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's interesting because I have a lot of guests that maybe their passion is something else, but they they get into something so they can kind of pay the bills. Um, and then, you know, as time goes on, maybe they become more involved with their passion. It kind of sounds like that was your road. Without a doubt. I mean, and and, and while traveling that road, the, the, the one thing I learned was, you know, if if you clearly identify what you believe your life holds and what you really want to do, then you need to go after it with everything you've got. Don't let anything or anybody uh, get in your way. Uh, don't let anyone steal your dream. Uh, don't let anyone tell you that it can't happen. Um, I lost some time. I, I lost a little momentum kind of sitting around waiting for somebody to make it happen for me. I mean, I just literally believed I was going to wake up one morning and my real cool snazzy race driver suit and i was a race car driver now you need to you need to go after it right now uh make up your mind what you want to do and go after it don't let anything get in the way and the other thing i would i i would tell you is you know for me even after 40 years and uh getting a little bit a little bit up up there in age so to speak I still have so much energy and so much passion and so much love for what I'm doing. Um, and, and that's good because you know what? I, I, I still got a daughter to get through college. I still got some people I owe money to. So I, 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 I have to work. Um, but you know what? The best part of that story is I want to work. I, I, I love being up and out at the racetrack at the crack of dawn waiting for our days to start. And therefore I'm, I'm really lucky to have found a home, um, in what I really, really enjoy doing. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, my observation of you through the years has been like, you've always felt youthful to me. I mean, in a respectful kind of way, I've always felt like, and I, and I, and I can't help but think that your passion and your enthusiasm in your career, like doing what you love kind of makes you a better version of yourself, like to everybody around you. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I, I know I'm very lucky. I feel very lucky. And um, I like to, you know, I like to exhibit that, that feeling, that luck and show people and say, you know what, find something you love doing and do that because that's, that's kind of the way I feel. And, and I want you to see that you can feel that way. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I'm, I'm a happy camper. I really am a lucky camper and a very happy camper. So I'm curious because you had this interest in wheels at a young age. I mean, maybe since you were a little guy, you know, I don't know. And then, you know, that's not an industry like, you know, a lot of the voices that we have, family, people around us, they want your world to be safe. They want, you know, you have a career that, you know, is predictable. Do you remember, were there voices or people in your life kind of coming out of school that were like pushing you away from 
following your passion or did you experience that at all? Well, I would say primarily um, that was probably my dad. Um, you know, and I mean, I mean, my dad was all American football. I mean, we, we had a war between the two of us constantly. I'd hand him a football or I'd hand him a steering wheel. He'd hand me a football. Uh, he wanted me to play ball. Um, I wanted to drive cars. Um, I didn't want to play ball because you got hit and you got hurt. And I didn't like that. <laughs> of course, conveniently, you know, forgetting the fact that you can get hurt in motor racing. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't really have any support, which makes it really, really hard at a young age. Um, you know, you need somebody, you know, supporting, helping you, not necessarily financially, all that, that's a big part of it early on, but just being there for you and having you where you need to be and exploring options for you. Well, I, I didn't really have that, um, you know, and I kind of had to ferret it out on my own, but I didn't really have anybody other than, you know, maybe my dad, um, kind of, you know, squashing my dream, so to speak. Um, you know, um, most of my friends were envious, supportive, all of that. Yeah, I just, you know, I had a dad that was very superficial with money. And, and I remember I felt a lot of pressure to go down a road that I didn't really feel like was the road that I wanted to go down. So I, the reason I bring it up is because if there's younger people watching, I think if you're listening to Don, you know, I, I consider it very brave and whatever the words you want to use to describe it. But at a young age, what you did, I think is hard to do, uh, staying true to your passion. So anyways, I think that's great. I'd like to see more people do that. Um, getting back into the career, you know, you are a business owner, you are an instructor. Uh, so you have this passion around motorsports, but you know, not everybody can actually run a business and, you know, spend time with their passion. I mean, those are different skill sets. Is that something that you were good at from the beginning or did it take a while to be able to kind of work on both sides of the fence? No, I mean, I think I was decent at it early on. I mean, motor racing, even as a racing car driver, I mean, motor racing is big, big business um, with just a touch of sports attitude, right? Um, so as a racing driver, I mean, for every 20 minutes you spend in the cockpit of the race car, you're probably spending 20 hours on the business side of it, your marketing plan, your branding, um, working with your your partners. We, we don't really refer to them as sponsors anymore. They're, they're team partners, working with them. Um, so you learn early on as a race driver to be a good businessman. And then that just carried over to running performance. Um I mean, while it's a racing school, it's a business. It has payables and receivables and staffing and marketing and, and you know, all of the elements that make up a business. And, and, you know, you take the business acumen that you developed as a driver and you just transfer it over to uh, the business of running a school. But it's a business. Is it fun? Yes. Is it at a racetrack? Yes. Do we play cars every day? Yes. But there's still all of the elements you know are are maintenance of the cars maintenance of the building staffing training the staff uh payroll receivables payables even sometimes human resources <laughs> so yeah. 
Yep, it's it's all there. So are people, I mean, is it all of the above? Are you getting like really credible, talented drivers who do this for a living, as well as just, you know, people who have a fascination with, you know, driving nice cars fast? Are you, I mean, is your clientele all of the above or do you have say a specific type of niche that you cater to? No, all of the above, probably 30% of what we do at Proformance is competition training and driver development for entering the amateur racing community. I mean, we've licensed 65 drivers already this year to enter the club racing community, but 30 to 70% of what we do is corporate team building program, valued employee recognition programs for corporations, we do a lot of work with the automobile manufacturers and the promotion and rollout of new vehicles. We do new car buyer clinics for the dealerships, helping people better understand what they bought out of fully enjoyed, stay safe in it. Our new car buyer clinics uh, for the dealership network are very, very popular. Uh, do a lot of work with law enforcement, teaching them how to chase the bad guys without hitting the good guys. We do some anti-apprehension executive protection stuff. We're doing a lot of work with our teen drivers in teen street survival skills. So we're, well, obviously we're highly involved in just sport recreational driving. That is the fastest growing recreation in our nation. People coming out with their, with their cars, learning about them and enjoying recreationally driving on the racetracks. Not a race. It's just them going out and learning high performance driving techniques on the road course. So we're very, very di diversified. Yeah. What would you say? I mean, what's the hardest thing about, what you do. I mean, I, I don't mean to dwell on anything negative, but I mean, is it, is it keeping staff? Is, I mean, is it the marketing? Is it dealing with the, the P and L and the business stuff? I mean, if someone's interested and they're passionate about cars like you and they're thinking, God, I would love to start a driving school. What's the hardest thing about it? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm really lucky to have Donna and, 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 and Sienna, my daughter backing me up from a, from the business, the business management standpoint, I mean, Don is the one that, you know, just keeps this whole thing pointed straight from a business standpoint. She, she and Sienna do all of the, all of our social media platforms, all of our marketing. Donna does all of the accountings, um, you know, uh, handles all of the uh, client registration, all of the uh, instructor staffing. Um, so that side of it, um, from a you know business management standpoint, I'm really well supported by by Donna and Sienna. Um, you know that affords me the ability to deal strictly with the curriculum, what we're teaching, how we're teaching it, how we're messaging, um, training the instructors, um, managing the flow of the racetrack at events uh, we that we're facilitating. Um, I think the biggest challenge we have or I have uh, that I take very seriously is, is getting people in and out of our school and the racetrack, having a fun, learning, safe experience. Um, that I find to be always challenging, um, you know, uh, making sure that like I said, everyone has a, a very productive time with us out there. It's a racetrack, um, and it happens real fast at the racetrack, and failure at what we do is not an option. So that's where I find the most challenge. 
Yeah, I want to get into that. But before I do, like the makeup of your company, like to do what you do, does that involve like a large employee base or is can it be done via like a tight group with a lot of maybe not part-time employees, but maybe 1099 or how did, I mean, do you need a staff of 100, 50, 20, 10? Um, you know, probably we have, um, you know, we have 15 certified professional instructors. Um, now we don't have all 15 with us on any given day, but there are certain days when we do have 15 instructors on site, very common to have 10. Uh, they're all independent, 1099 independent contractors. They're all brand ambassadors, product specialists. They roam the nation doing these kinds of programs for, for the industry. Uh, but their primary focus is, is, is performance. So above and beyond the instructor staff, um, uh, Donna's on site every day. So is Sienna when she's not off to school, uh, just to kind of organize and help kind of the flow of the day. Then we've got our medical staff that's on site. Um, you know, rarely, rarely do we need them, but you know, it is a racetrack and, um, you know, so it's, it's, good industry practice to have medical medical team on site. We have flag marshals, uh, the, the ones out on the turns that, you know, use the flags to signal the drivers. So yeah, any given day, uh, we, we might have, you know, 20 people, uh, 20 people totally uh, on site for an event. I'm just thinking, I mean, maybe I'm way off, Don, but imagine somebody that's passionate, they think they can drive, and then they get behind a wheel of some of these cars that are probably way faster than what they're used to. Are, are they, you, they get the instruction and then, then are they driving by themselves like with other drivers or do they have the track to themselves? So starting out their initial, um, their initial training is done always with an instructor in the right seat. Uh, at some point they then do graduate to solo status where they're out uh, driving on their own uh, on the track under our observation. Uh, we're all on radio contact. We've all got our eyes on them all the time, just watching, making sure that they're having fun. They're not struggling. They're in compliance of our guidelines. Um, you know, the flow of traffic uh, and overtaking and being overtaken on the racetrack is all very structured and disciplined. In, in 30 years of running performance, we've never had a car hit another car overtaking is always in flag let by zones uh with hand signals um so pretty structured and pretty disciplined but no at some point they're they're out on the track on their own yeah um i'm curious you know one of the things i just thought of is you've worked with some elite drivers and i'm sure you were one of them as well i've always been fascinated by the best of the best like what separate you know whether it's football or tennis, golf, whatever. What is the skill set like for the elite race car? Because when you turn on, you watch formula or whatever on TV and you know, there's these people, individuals that are consistently winning. I've always curious since I don't know anything about driving cars like this, what is it about? Like if you were to describe like the criteria to make an elite driver, is that something you're able to do? I think you reach a, I think you reach a certain point um, with the, you know, the, the physical end, the mechanical end 
of driving the car, you reach a certain point where you're you're good, you're 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 decent, right? Um, that you know that's 90 percent. The remaining ten percent, you know, where you transition from being good to elite is mental mental disciplines. Um, that's kind of my kind of my specialty as a driver coach when I'm coaching. Um, I like to work on um, the tweaks we can do uh, with somebody's brain to take them to that elite step, you know, and it's, it's, it, it's commitment, it's focus. Uh, it's that, it's that mental discipline that separates the good ones from the very special. If you don't mind, I want to go a little deeper on that. Mike is because I'm really curious. This fascinates me. Is it like visualization or meditation where somebody sees themselves winning or is it is it more about being comfortable in uncomfortable situations, or is it going with your gut like a good athlete if he makes a cut or whatever? It's just instinctual. I mean, can you can you get go a little deeper on that ten percent or that five percent elite mindset? Why you just did? Okay, that's it. <laughs> You've obviously been obviously been doing your homework, or you yeah, you're right, Dirk. I mean, it's uh, we do a lot with uh, visual um, imagery, um, programming, mental programming, um, you know, um, developing those subconscious skills. Um, obviously, physical fitness is a huge part of it, maintaining physical fitness, but um, everything you described right there is right out of anything I've written or read. Okay. Um, you know, kind of that, like I said, that mental, that mental discipline, but we do a tremendous amount in this sport with, um, visualization and imagery. Um, and that forms a program, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why it rewires your brain? I mean, we go deep on that. Um, and so one of my thoughts is like, like, I've always wondered, like, this might sound a little funny, but you know, like if you're playing professional football or you're a safety or you're a, um, a basketball NBA player, you know, there are certain sports that necessitate, like, you've got to be in really good shape, strong, fit, et cetera. And I'm wondering, it was car, can you be a little out of shape, have a beer gut, but just have all the mental strength? Like, or do you actually physically have to be like in good shape? Um, if you're going to be in the elite level or a cut above, um, if you're going to be good approaching special, now you need to be physically, um, physically fit. Um, no smoking, no drinking, aerobic, uh, upper body strength, all of that. Uh, it's hard work. It's hard mental work and physical work in the car. And sometimes at extremely high temperatures, um, so gone are the days of the guys getting out of the car and, you know, lighting up smoke and those, those days are gone. I mean, okay. drivers that are special, the drivers that are driving at an elite level, certainly like the formula one drivers. I mean, they're, they all have, they all have trainers. They all, they all have mental disciplines, coaches. They all, all have performance coaches. They all have physical trainers. Okay. Yeah. And I'll stop asking about like the elite 
but I, I'll, my last question is like formula versus NASCAR, like are those completely different skill sets or just different cars? I know they're different cars, <laughs> but like could a formula one elite driver translate over to say now, I mean, or, or is it a, a totally new learning curve for them? No, no, not totally. They can, they can transition um, surprisingly quite smoothly. Um, you know, different car. Yes. Driven completely different. Yes. But, um, you know, it's surprising how um, F1 drivers can, you know, become quite comfortable quite quickly with, uh, with sports car racing uh, and or NASCAR, which slowly but surely NASCAR is becoming sports cars um, with the second gen, gen two cars. Um, by the way, I want to back up real quick. You said something a minute ago that caught me out a little bit. I thought maybe you, it's, it's called a Dawnism um, in the, in the book, the art of racing in the rain, you hear them all the time. Driving a racing car is an exercise of becoming comfortable with discomfort. And I heard you say that a minute ago, is it a matter of becoming comfortable with discomfort? Yes, it is. And that's a mental discipline. Yeah. I like that. That's powerful. Um, I want to get in, if you don't mind, in a little bit um, on the on the movie that you just referenced. But I, I want to also, if the audience is listening and they're curious, okay, they understand on a high level what you do. Can you kind of get get us a glimpse into your week? And I know you have a support system um, with Donna and Sienna that kind of involve a lot of the P&L and the business and the marketing and the branding. But like Don, what's Don's week, Monday morning, Thursday night, Sunday afternoon? What is it, if you were to take a piece of pie and say, okay, X percent is out there on the track working with instructors, like what does your week look like? Well, um, you know, I'm one of two places. I'm either in the office um, or I'm at the racetrack. And both places, I'm on the phone constantly. Um, and I'm pretty well noted for being seen with a phone to my ear always. Um, but in the office, I'm, you know, dealing with emails, texts, um, returning calls, all of the things that, that make up being in an office. I mean, does it involve cars? Always, yes. But for the most part, it's all of the things. It's communicating. It's, you know, scheduling, all of that. At the racetrack, um, you know, uh, it's strictly uh, the teaching element. It's strictly managing the day, running the day, the classroom portion of the day, um, you know, making sure the students clearly understand what we're asking them to do, why we're asking them to do it, and, and that they're able to do it. Um, but um, my week is one of the two places, either here in the office doing office stuff or at the racetrack. Uh, what's my preference? Being at the racetrack. Yeah. But nothing happens at the racetrack till something happens in the office, right? No, I get it. So question on both. Uh, on the racetrack, are you instructing instructors that are reaching the end product or are you directly um, articulating or speaking to the clients or both? Uh, both. Uh, I do the classroom portions. Uh, our days out there are about 80% practical, 20% classroom. Um, I am doing the classroom portions. 
And then I turn the clients over to the instructors for their practical experience with myself um, intervening in certain areas um, in either breakout sessions in the classroom or trackside. Okay. As far as the office, you know, I am curious on that. Like, and I'll throw some assumptions out. Just, you know, you're talking about being on the phone a lot. Is that like dealing with partners or sponsors that, hey, you've got a really good driver and you're, you're like an agent almost where you're talking so-and-so up? Or is it, you know, trying to create, like bring in elite drivers for events to bring in people to watch? Is it, um, I mean, what are some of the typical uh, consistent conversations you have? Not the paying the, the bills and the um, making sure your insurance is updated, et cetera, but like, what are some of those phone calls about? Oh, um, I try to, I try to keep those calls um, at a higher level, dealing with a, a bigger picture than the daily client. Uh, those calls can be about um, new relationships with manufacturers. Right now, we're a Toyota school. Um, you know, we we have a fleet of Toyota cars. Um, our support vehicles are Toyotas. But we're always looking for bigger and better partnerships. Um, so I might be dealing with a manufacturer and its dealership network um, related to being a partner of the school. Um, there's a lot going on right now in the development of the racetrack. and I'm kind of intimately involved in that. Um, so things of a, a higher level, um, always looking for um, new potential instructors, um, you know, um, so I'm always interested in, 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 you know, guys or gals that are interested in being a part of our team. So I'll have, I'll have some phone conversation with them. Um, so it, it's pretty multifaceted. I, I never know why my phone's going to ring. So in your life, lifestyle of your career, is it, do you feel like you have good balance between work? Like, can you shut it off and, and go on a trip with Donna and not have to look at your phone all the time? I mean, or is this a 24 seven kind of situation? Good question. I'm trying to find the balance and I'm, I think I'm doing better, but a, when you're in business for yourself, when you're in business for yourself, there's, you know, you, you get to you get to pick which hour out of twenty four you take off. Um, but I'm trying to do better. And, and yeah, <coughs> Don and I are gone. Uh, when Don and I are gone, um, you know, we can we can turn it off. But we've always got our laptops, and we've always got our cells. We're always responding to email. We're always responding to telephone. Uh, it's just the nature of being a business for yourself and being an overachiever, workaholic, perfectionist, which both Don and I are, and Sienna. Which is nice because you love what you're surrounded. I mean, I, I mean, if you were selling paper clips, you might not have the same enthusiasm. So it's fortunate that you're involved with your passion. Um, I'm not asking what you make. What I'm asking is what is like the compensation model for somebody that has this kind of business? Um, you know, is it a is it a monthly fee that you get or is it a one-time shot? I mean, are there a lot of different income streams that are part of this career? Well, from the driving standpoint, 
from the race driving standpoint, um, if you're a factory driver, um, you know, let's say you are a McLaren driver, then you have a, you know, you have a salary, I mean, a salary, you have a compensation package from that factory. You're, you, you're, you're paid monthly plus maybe a percentage of the winnings. Um, if you're like a journeyman driver, uh, like you really have no attachment to any one particular team or factory, uh, you just are kind of a have helmet, will drive kind of guy. Um, you know, depending on the level, that can be anywhere from $5,000 a race to $10,000 a race. Um, you know, obviously, you know, obviously that's all kind of negotiable between your agent and the team. But somewhere in that area, most drivers are independent contractors. Um they earn their money either in their in the seat of the race car or um, doing other you know other things uh, appearances, public speaking, um, product development, product testing. What if you're a business owner like yourself and you're not being compensated for driving? Like if you have a race car facility facility and you're providing training and curriculum, is that a uh, annuity stream that is like turns over every month or is that like a you know a one-time here's the fee or i mean i'm just the reason i ask these questions is because i think a lot of people don't really understand you know i mean maybe some people don't care but i think a lot of people should understand how they're compensated not what they're compensated but what are the different income streams so as a driver that makes sense but as a business owner like yourself like how do you scale the business financially well you know, Proformance is a for-profit business. I mean, we're a full corporation, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we have um, the fees we charge for services and we have the costs that we bear for providing those services. And the difference between those two figures is this thing called profit and we're paid out of the profit. Okay. So people that want to race or learn, it's just basically a fee that they pay. Um, yeah, I've just, it, it's an interesting thing for me. So tell me what is one of the, like, what's the, the big, why is it just your passion? Is it, is it seeing somebody like maybe nervous and then all of a sudden drive really well and just the elation, like, what is it the thing? What is it about it? I'm sure there's multiple things that, you know, make you happy and give you joy, but is there one that kind of is at the top? Oh, another good question. Uh, for me, um, I so love the beauty of driving a car well uh, and seeing somebody transition to driving it well um, and what that does for their inner belief system, their confidence, um, their self-perception, all of that. Um I mean, I, I had a client the other day, uh, the other day that's been spending some time with us. And I, I watched her get out of the car and I don't know a lot about her personal life, but I can tell there's been something of challenge, but I saw her get out of the car feeling so alive and so good about herself um, and what she'd accomplished. Um, 
And can I pay my bills with it? No. But do I thoroughly love seeing people start at eight o'clock in the morning, one person, and be a different and better person at five o'clock at night? Um, I love that. Yeah, I would assume that's powerful. And, and I and I I do it playing cars. Yeah. What, Don, you've been in the business 35 years. Is that right? Well, I, I started in what, 80? 1980. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. What didn't you see coming? Is there one thing like if, if you were to, if you know, say you had a, a, a child that wanted to follow in your footsteps and you're like, you know, this is something that surprised me and that you need to be aware of if you want to go down this road. Is there something that might have caught you off guard? I think, you know, if I look at my career and, and why it maybe didn't go as far as it could have and been as noted as it might have been, um, you know, I, I'm not saying I, I didn't accomplish my fair share of stuff, but I, I could have done better. And I think I think what I got caught out on is is a lack of full commitment. I just, again, I, I thought if, you know, I, I mean, I just thought I was going to wake up good. And uh, then there were others that worked at it harder. And uh, I guess my counsel would be, you know, my counsel to be once you decide you're going to do this, um, then make up your mind you're going to be good at it and, and, and work at being good at it. Um, you know, looking back, you know, I mean, looking in my office right here at all the cars I've driven, you know, every single one of them I could have driven better. Um, you know, I mean, obviously that's probably true of true of any car and driver, but I, I could have done better and could have gone further if I had made a, a stronger commitment early on. Um, and I would counsel young drivers to make that commitment. If you decide you're going to do this and you want to be good at it, then go be good at it. Do whatever it takes. I love it. Do you ever see like, you know, you watch those music shows, or at least I do, you know, American Idol or what people, when you discover genius, is it often that you see somebody that's, you know, a, a young driver and you're like, whoa, this guy or gal has something like, is, is that, is that, a, is that something that happens or just, you just need to do it for a long time? I'm, I'm just curious if you're able to ever recognize genius early in drivers. Yeah, that's a, a common asked question. Is there is there just natural talent? You're just born with it. Uh, I think, I think yes. I think there are certain males and females that are a lap up on the field. Um, that it just it just comes together quicker for them because they they there's just something innate in their makeup that get some uh, a step or two ahead of everyone else i think you i think for the most part you can build a decent skill set uh, in anybody but i do think there are some that get it quicker um then i think there are also some who just they 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 find that path from good to elite uh, easier and quicker i don't care 
as we yep. wind this down, I've got a couple more questions. Um, I would love, can you just, your involvement, I know you had a, 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 a tie obviously into the movie you referenced. Can you just for the audience, like, was that a movie that you helped write that was about your life? Or there's something I remember in the airport you and I were talking about that I didn't know that your association with the movie. Um, can you just elaborate a little bit on that? I wrote a paper uh, about 25 years ago called The Art of Racing in the Rain, Mental and Physical Disciplines for Drivers to Become Proficient Racing in the Rain. If you're good in the rain, it's a great equalizer between you and drivers who aren't good in the rain. And you, you get yourself good in the rain by getting out on a wet racetrack every single time you can. So the paper we use as a handout in our race licensing and driver development camp for racing, uh, when we come to the section on racing in the rain, the art of racing in the rain, we use kind of as a handout. Um, Gar Stein, the author of the book, New York bestseller, Starbucks book of the month for multiple months, um, came job shadowed uh, for a bit, um, then announced he wanted to take the content that he had captured from job shadowing me uh, and write a book. And he said, I want to title the book, The Art of Racing in the Rain. Uh, the book is a true story, actually happened here in Seattle. Um, a lot of the book was, the, a lot of the book centered around performance and my life early on transitioning from amateur to pro and, and the, the creation of performance and my relationship with Enzo the dog, um, my daughter, Donna, our, our, our kind of our family uh, path, um, centered also around one of our instructors at performance. Uh, like I said, true story happened here in Seattle. Um, then, and then a lot of the book, um, a lot of the Denny Swift little, um, you know, kind of isms, uh, referred to as dawnisms. A lot of that is me, you know, slow hands in the fast stuff, fast hands in the slow stuff. Um, you know, um, nice, nice, quiet hands. All of those things were me, the dog riding in the truck out on the track. That was, that was our dog, Otto, A-U-T-O, Otto, um, who then got named Enzo. Um, then Patrick Dempsey, Grace Anatomy, um, who I was spending some time with uh, from 2009, 10, 11, and 12, um, bought the rights to the book, uh, wanted to produce it and star in the movie um, as Denny Swift, the lead character. Uh, Patrick bought the rights to the book, then created the movie, uh, by the time we got the movie to the big screen, Patrick had kind of aged out of character. So Milo Ventimiglia played the lead role, Danny Swift. Um, Gary Cole was in it. Amanda Siegfried was in it. Kevin Costner was the voice of the dog. Because, you you know, you know the, the book, the dog told the whole story of the book. So wonderful story. Not really about racing. More like about life and injustice and justice in the end. And, you know, but but. A lot of, lot of good stuff in there. Very, very sad for dog lovers in the middle, but everybody got what they wanted in the end. The, the ending of the book was absolutely beautiful. Milo was a pleasure to work with. He did such a great job of ending the movie. So yeah, Don and I had a private showing of the movie, and I got to tell you, Dirk, I mean, when they 
we're sitting in this 400 seat theater all by ourselves. And when they hit the lights, we were just blubbering blobs of tears, you know? Yeah. I will tell you, I'm a movie. I love movies. That movie really um, affected me uh, because I am a, uh, I love dogs, but you know, the loss of his wife, um, the very ending was super powerful when the little boy uh, introduced himself as Enzo and then, and then the relationship between, Danny and his daughter, you know, when they're out in Italy, uh, which was, I, it was such a beautiful scene, you know, just that whole, but I, I was really um, impressed because that was a powerful movie for me. And uh, I thought it was done really, really well. And so kudos to you. Um, the, so, uh, for with, me, Sienna and the relationship I have with, with Sienna, I mean, she and I are incredibly close and, if you look at the end of the movie, it's it, it's just so many beautiful elements. I mean, he's made it. Denny Swift has become Ferrari factory driver, world champion. Uh, he survived it. He lived it, survived it. He's now in Europe with his daughter close by him. Um, it, you know, it's just 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 beautiful. Yeah, and he was very. Uh... I mean, I know it was a movie, but he had a very humble side to him, which I'm always attracted to when someone is skilled and a genius, but he just had a, a side that I really liked in a character. Um, Don, as we wind down, there's two more questions I have. One is, is there anything I haven't asked you? If somebody is really excited and are interested in motorsports, whether it's instructing or starting a driving school like yourself, is there something I haven't asked or any last piece of advice that you might want to give somebody that's listening? You know, I think we touched on the majority of it, the most important elements. I mean, obviously, if you're going to start a driving school, you, you've got to have some, some credential, some background, something to kind of hang your hat on, right? So you, you kind of start out um, driving and you take the relationships you've built the reputation you've built, uh, the knowledge you've developed, and, and then you you start the school. Uh, racing is a business. Treat it like a business. Run it like a business. Um, you know, it, 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 it is big, big business. Um, but I will tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful industry, and it is an industry. It's a huge industry getting bigger by the minute. Um, so treat it like that it's a profession it's a career it's a profession um you can certainly you know take care of your family pay your bills with it uh but but be committed um be committed uh to doing it and doing it right i mean i've heard isn't it the number one or the, the most popular sporting event not event but you know, in the, in, in the world. I mean, more than football, more than any soccer, whatever. I, I, I was told that this is it. it you know, uh, the stick ball people and the round ball people would like to deny that, but the, the numbers show that it is the biggest spectator uh, sport in our nation. Yeah. So if you couldn't do what you're doing, you couldn't be an instructor, you couldn't have any association with the driving school, motorsports, is there a dream job? Like, I'm just, you know, I ask this question of all my guests because it gives my audience a better flavor, uh, um, a lens of who you are. Is there something you would love to do if you could do anything? You know, Dirk, I got to be honest with you. I, I, 
I just can't see myself doing anything. I, I, I'm working harder right now, working longer hours than I ever have in my life and, and, and feeling better about it all the time. Um, the energy and the passion. I, I know if I can't do this, then, you know, then I probably, uh, I guess I'd be homeless. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, well, you're in the right state. I, there's a lot of that going on, unfortunately, but, um, Don, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I've always looked up to you and, and, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just really impressed with what you've done and, uh, I appreciate it. No worries. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Derek. It's a great morning, a beautiful morning to have a little catch up with you. And, uh, thanks so much for the time. Thanks, Don. Thanks, Don.